In Sweden, 80% of greenhouse gas emissions is a result of household consumption, and our consumption is increasing. At the same time, we'll get several reports on the fact that fast fashion and short-lived consumption is making us unhappy. To dig deeper into this topic, I have invited the Secretary General at the Swedish Association for Responsible Consumption, Alexandra Davison. Alexandra, welcome. Is it true that overconsumption is making us unhappy and costing us a planet? Oh, you start up big. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> but I, I, I would say I would say yes. Like our overconsumption is causing us unhappiness. Like material stuff does not make us happy. Several studies have shown have have shown this. Especially, you know, it's. Like all consumption in itself is not a bad thing. It's about that we overconsume stuff that we don't really need. And if we overconsume non-essential stuff, then we have a lot of clutter in our lives. And the material stuff takes time. And like you have to buy it and take it home. You have to care for it and then recycle it. It takes time. So, yes. The happiness that we feel when we buy something is very short-lived, right? Compared to yes. to the unhappiness that all the clutter can give. Exactly, and yeah, the happiness is short-lived, and uh, studies have shown that it can come, you know, when you buy it, and then a little less again, and then a little less again, like in dots. Or so, do you think that we will become happier when we start consuming more responsibly? I do. The, the richest people, this was a Harvard study, Harvard professor, I cannot remember his name, but uh, his study showed that the richest people, the one that, you know, has a lot of money, was also, was the happiest when they contributed with their money into something good. So, of course, you can make impact in investing and supporting uh, other, other initiatives and... Um, if you don't have that type of money, you can support it by sharing stuff on your social media. You can uh, educate yourself with information. Like when you have the information, then you tend to make wiser decisions as well. What is Responsible Consumption's mission? So responsible consumption, consumption's mission is basically to answer the question, how can I, as a consumer, live more sustainably? You know, everybody is talking now about sustainability and we consumers are expected to know, like, how, how we do this, but not all of us do. So we try to answer the question, like, how can I live my life uh, in a more sustainable way. Like we share tips and advices on our websites. Green hacks, <laughs> if you like. <laughs> Perfect. Um, so, so what is a, a conscious consumer and, and why, why does it matter what I do as an individual? It does matter. Like you use your consumer power every time. It's, it's like, it's like um, you're voting. Every time you pay something, you think that you're voting. What type of future do you want? What type of future do you want to be a co-creator of? Because you do matter and what you do matter. Because in your in your um, personal influence space, you know, for people also around you, like if you start changing like your 
uh, your ways and uh, or your attitudes, then you can also inspire others. It's like rings on the water. Since if, if everybody in the world would, would live and consume as uh, Swedes do, uh, we would need 4.2 planet Earths. And that's like three too much, right? <laughs> so right now, like on the 20... 2019's number we're actually using 75 percent more resources than the earth can can handle and to to reproduce so like we really have to change the way we consume and the way we think we have to start to you know value value <laughs> what we buy and the materials we surround us with um and we have we need to do it yes yesterday You've been involved in some campaigns, uh, one campaign called White Monday, which i uh, seen great response of and the usage of the hashtag on Instagram. Uh, can you first start telling us what White Monday is? Yes, of course. So uh, White Monday is a circular campaign. White Monday is the solution to Black Friday's overconsumption. And then you might think, how? So White Monday is the complete opposite of Black Friday. So it's happening every year since 2017, the Monday before Black Friday. So the opposite of uh, Friday is Monday. Black, white. So that's, that's where the name comes from. Henning Gilberg, who founded the campaign, played like this opposite game, you know, with the theory of yin and yang. Like, how can, how can we create something good out of this? And then the White Monday campaign was born. And it's basically that we have collected uh, several 100% uh, circular offers online, digital online, where you as a consumer don't have to do the research on your own. You can say no to Black Friday and instead say yes to White Monday and shop with good conscience the stuff that you really you really need and the results as you mentioned for this campaign has, has been amazing <laughs> like uh, in 2017 there were like 30 companies and organizations and influencers working together only in Sweden and the hashtag the first year was exposed 6 million times and last year to 2019 the campaign spread internationally to 23 countries with over 550 buddies, you know, companies and organizations and influences supporting this campaign. And the hashtag was exposed over 74 million times. <laughs> like, that's wow. insane. <laughs> so how did you manage to, to spread this campaign globally? What steps did you take to do that? Uh, through network uh, and also and also contacting you know um, different companies and uh, the people we meet when we have lectures and spreading it online but I think the secret behind the success of the campaign has nothing to do with uh, me or responsible consumption or the funder I think the secret to this campaign is actually it's built on a participatory model you know, on the global goals, we need partnership number 17. And this whole campaign is built on that. All the participating influencers and companies and organizations, the buddies, post 
something online related to White Monday, like uh, that's um, that has something to do with your your line of work, like circular consumption related to your point of view. But they use the hashtag White Monday, and then if we connect this on with the priming theory, like if you're exposed to something, then all of a sudden on one day you see boom on your social media, White Monday, White Monday, White Monday, and you're like, what is this? What is going on? And then, you know, the ball is rolling, basically. What is so powerful about driving campaigns, do you think? I think it's the ability to reach a lot of people and to make people talk about something and uh, perhaps um, both social media and mass media picking it up and, you know, again, spread the message to, to you and I, you know. <laughs> to people living here in society and that what we hear a few times, that sticks. We remember that. So you can influence attitudes and norms and eventually and hopefully also behaviors in a, in a good way, I'd say. And also they're super fun. Are there any types of questions that I should ask myself or that I should ask the company first before going through my planned purchase? That's, that's a really good question. Like, uh, really good. Like, for instance, ask yourself if you do, if you really need this. And, um, and if you do, then you can ask the company, like, how, how is it transported? How is the package? How was this produced? Like, if you cannot read that online, um, but I would, I would really, you know, say like almost, almost everything now you can buy secondhand or upcycled or reloved or pre-loved or you name it, like, or you can repair it. I don't know. Like, do you really have to buy something new? Do don't you want to be like a circulant instead? I think that's you know the true, the true, um, a true sustainable consumer actually. So what is a circulant? A circulant is uh, basically buying nothing new, taking care of the resources that we already have. Simple as that. And and it, it may sound boring, but it's really, really fun. It actually is really, really fun. And of course, like sometimes we have to buy new stuff. I get that. But it's 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 about the mindset, you know, like change the mindset, really. <laughs> What are your best green hacks to stop consuming beyond our limits? When we talk about sustainability, like this is a really broad theme, right? And it's all about what glasses do I look upon things with? Are I looking uh, upon sustainability through the health perspective or through the environmental perspective or through the fair um, perspective or human rights fair perspective? Like, and then choose choose the one that you are most passionate about and then it's easier to do all these green hacks and all, do all these changes if, if it's something you're passionate about right yeah true yeah we all are we're getting motivated by different things uh, so whatever motivates us um, that's the reason reason we should go for right yes look look at your life like um if, if you're trying to do everything at once 
then then it comes too hard like strive for reflection rather than perfection like look at, look upon your life where can i start being a circulant in my life right now what feels doable for me uh, it might be you know shopping clothes maybe you decide to i'm not going to buy any new clothes for a year or newly produced clothes for a year only second hand clothes or vintage clothes or trading with your friends or you know upcycling stuff maybe that's a challenge for yourself or maybe you feel like it's within the food or or traveling like anywhere in your life like try to always keep your development curve towards a circulant more positive like take it take it in your time it's, it's like when you start working out you know at the gym if you if you start with six days a week you'll do it for maybe not even two weeks because you, you don't have the energy for it you have to take it step by step that's my yeah that's my best advice I'd Are there any uh, company or policy or regulations that not needs to be in place for to push us, nudge us in the right direction? Most of us don't uh, don't know that most countries actually signed that we're going to lower our emission like of um, carbon dioxide like immensely until 2030. Like this is this is something. This is in Sweden at least this is a law like this is an environmental goal and uh, i'm pretty sure we're going to see a lot of policies <laughs> steering in this direction but right now if we take the corona uh, situation for instance uh, a lot of support packages are going out in in sweden but none of them ha have um, a demand that okay if you get the support package you have to you have to shift into a more sustainable uh, company or way of doing it basically we don't have that but there are countries actually using the these support packages as a leverage for instance in france and uh, they gave a support package to air france uh, and said and said but not to the lines where there is a good um, train connection where you can travel easily with train and that's a uh, I think that's a really inspiring and great way to use, you know, the the power <laughs> um, that uh, our governments have into making this transition. And I and I also think they're open to it. And uh, I think a lot of us knows we have to do it. It's a question of how, and perhaps policies has to help, you know, to do that. I read that it estimated that. 70% of Asia's river and lakes, they're contaminated by wastewater from the textile industry. And I mean, this is the water that uh, people in the communities drink and maybe go swimming in. And we can do a lot within this area. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally yeah. agree. Yeah, and it's easy also to think that, okay, I buy this thing now uh, from this company. But what you don't think about is that there is a long supply chain uh, mm. from this from making this product mm. so it's not only like one step it's quite many people that have been involved in the process and just to make a product is it's quite complicated yes it's really yeah. complicated
complicated and it takes a lot of steps and you mentioned this with the contaminated waters um you know a few years ago uh, a dog turned out blue out of being you know died from the contaminated water so uh, a, a dog a blue dog was in the news and then we had you know an up um, up in the mindset like oh we actually have to think about this because like when I go and buy blue shirt I, I, I maybe don't think about the whole production chain and all the people getting involved and how did they turn this fabric blue you know exactly mm. and I think that just that we start asking questions also in what in some way help the company start uh, moving in a direction because they start talking internally and get uh, more power to actually act that's one of the advices i actually always say you know in lectures and in workshops it's like if you don't want to make any changes today then do this it, it won't cost you a dime but make it a habit every time you go into a store you don't have to buy this, but every time you go into a store, ask them, uh, do you have any sustainable supplies? <laughs> you know, just, just ask that question because it's, it's basic macroeconomics. Uh, like our, our demands set the supply. And if enough people are doing this, then the companies will have to, as you say, steer the direction towards a more sustainable way. If we look at the, the fashion industry, they're responsible for like 10% of the annual carbon uh, emissions globally. And that's more than flights. But yet I hear more the, uh, about the impact of emissions from flights than the impact uh, of emissions from shopping and mm. fast fashion on that. So what is your view on media's role and the impact on our attitude towards shopping and short-living consumption patterns? Mm. Well, this is a deep and really good question like an absolute passion of mine because um like the media we have a saying in sweden like uh, the media is the third state power i'd say the media is the first state of power <laughs> because media uh, forms uh, the norms uh, that we have in the society and um, you know and if we look upon the society and the people living in it with social constructivism like we are we are a group individuals we we are affected by the norms other people around us have and then first come uh, attitude changes and then behavioral changes so and and on top of that, if you connect it to priming theory, you know, where you hear something over and over and over and over again, like where we, what we do in media, then media absolutely is the first state of power, I'd say. So media has a huge role. You mentioned the, uh, the fashion industry. Yeah. So this weekend, there was this uh, um, full, full side, um, um, market marketing page like a full page uh, from the several executives and designers from the fashion industry um, actually uh, wanting to change uh, fast fashion 
so this is huge in my opinion. This was in Financial, financial Times and the hashtag is rewiring fashion where they actually want wants to change the fashion industry from fast fashion because that's a huge problem. I want to know what are your best hacks that you'd like to share and that you use yourself? Oh, what I use myself. Uh, I, I have to focus on where I am right now and what I'm focusing on right now or what I just actually conquered. Like, this is one of my biggest life achievements. No, I'm just kidding. But it's a big achievement. Like, <laughs> the new year is 1718. I decided that I don't want to use any any poisonous uh, deodorants, you know, full of aluminum. So I want to go over to use a more organic um, deodorant. But the problem is, like, that all of the ones that I've tried, I... I stink, you know, they don't work on me. Like, I stink. They're, they're not. <laughs> I have this problem, and then, you know, okay, what I buy, I have to use, that I have to use it, and then, you know, it takes time, and now it's 2020, and what I did a couple of months ago is that I found this recipe of, one, making my own deodorant and also combining it with an armpit and a decolletage uh, detox that I make here in my kitchen, like, super, super quick. And it's the best thing I've ever tried. So, and uh, deodorant, that deodorant is made with coconut, coconut oil, and uh, um, so oils, you know, what do you call those? Etheric oils? Yes, exactly. So orange and lavender and then some baking soda. And here's the secret. You have to put in some freshly squeezed like lemon. And then you mix that. And then I use it uh, every day. And uh, there are no stains at my clothes. And conventional stains like go, go away in the, when I wash it. So, oh, would you mind sharing that uh, recipe with us in this uh, for the listeners? I would love to. Uh, I can just send it to you afterwards. Yeah, let's do that. that. That sounds brilliant. So you do that and a detox as a combination, and that works really well for you. Yeah. So what I did find out, like, it, it, what I'm focusing on right now is releasing a lot of toxins, you know, from my body and. Uh, um, when you stop using um, <clears throat> conventional deodorant, then you can have a lot of toxins build up, uh, you know, <laughs> in your armpits, like where you put, where you have put it. Like aluminum is a toxin, or it's it's a heavy metal. I think it's classified as, uh, and that 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 could be the reason for <laughs> for me stinking. <laughs> <laughs> But then if I combine this, you know, with uh, with an armpit detox that I use uh, once a week, uh, then it helps to draw those toxins out and then everything works perfectly. And uh, um, the recipe for uh, the armpit detox I can share with you uh, as well. It's really, really simple to make and the ingredients last forever. Lovely. I love that. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I, I love the, um, the thinking of living more toxic-free because there's mm -hmm. so many substances in, in every, all the products that we use that mm -hmm. you have no idea what's in there. 
and if you just look at the ingredient list, you're like, you're lost. Almost to be able to eat what you put on your skin, that's a good way to think. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. speaking of ingredients list, like one other hack is hack is like the longer the ingredients list, like the more chemicals and toxins in there is like it's not hundred percent accurate or true, but that's that's a hack you can use in your life. Like strive for shortening your ingredients lists. What what started your interest and engagement in conscious consumption? Yeah, I I have to say this, of course. I'm the type of person, through all my life, I've had several interests, you know. I engaged myself with women's rights, with the environment, with the the human rights, you know. And all of these different passions of mine. And when I did this fellowship at World Food Program, I realized that, oh, wow, with with my... consumer choice my consumer power I can actually I can actually fit all of these passions or interests or whatever you call it like in here like I can affect you know women's rights and humans rights and the environment with what I chose to consume so that's where it really it really um, landed for me So wrapping up a bit, uh, what are your best green hacks? It is that, like, stop, start with clothes. Like, stop buying new clothes for a year. Like, it's it's such a big part of my life that I don't really think about or communicate about me not doing it so much. I'm not 100% perfect. I'm a human just as you. <laughs> uh, So I do, I do buy, but not so much. Like when I was younger, my biggest, my biggest happiness was, you know, going to shopping mall. And now I can't stand being a shopping mall. I never saw that coming. So start with the clothing. Don't buy newly produced clothes and uh, go through your wardrobe. See if there's anything you can uh, repair uh, in there to use. And going over to food, I would say, um, <clears throat> start eating up the food you buy like that's the biggest the, the best hack you can do actually it's it's better than to than to be vegan or some or or likewise like start with eating up what you buy annually like in sweden we we throw away edible food um 54 kilo per person annually like that that's more than one kilo a week of edible food so start eating the food that you buy see if you can perhaps use the train to your next uh, vacation like or maybe don't, you don't even use need a train maybe you can just uh, go somewhere close to home And what else? Yeah, try to really uh, reduce the toxins. Have to take it step by step. That's my, yeah, that's my best advice, I'd say. Yeah, and regarding the food, like, I mean, just cutting the, some meat and dairy products from your diet, that could reduce um, an individual's footprint by 70% from food. So, um, yeah, it's a, a lot of impact that could be made there. actually 
Um, and as you say, we can find a lot of tips and tricks on Responsible Consumption's webpage. I will link to that as well in this uh, podcast episode. <laughs> thank you very much, Alexandra. Yes, thank you, Pernilla. I'm super honored to be part of this podcast. And it was, uh, it was so fun talking to you.